Last week, um, we began the series called Surprising the World. And our goal is to create some habits in our lives that help us become more missional. Instead of habits that get us thinking inward, uh, we want to create rhythms in our lives that propel us outward into our communities, um, out in the world. And so last Sunday, I asked you to begin the habit of blessing um, that Heather talked about so well. Um, the, but the habit of blessing, and, and instead of you know, instead of thinking about God's blessings, the way we can bless each other. So each week, the goal is for you to bless three people a week, one of which is a member of your church, one of which is not a member of your church, and the third can be either. And so we talked about three ways that you can bless. Words of affirmation, you can send a text, an email, you can, you can do this, this old thing called calling someone. Um, you can uh, look at them face to face, you can write a note. There's all kinds of ways. You can be standing in the grocery line aisle and just offer a word of affirmation to a complete stranger. Although if you're in Bilo, you probably know everybody. Words of affirmation. Or an acts of kindness, doing something nice for someone. Um, gifts, and, and these don't have to be extravagant gifts. They don't have to cost anything. You can make something. Just randomly giving a gift to someone is, can be such a blessing. And see, the goal is not to be legalistic with this. Um, the goal is, to, is to, eat, to get each of us thinking outward. And so, like, you know, if you're, if you're trying to, if you start creating a checklist of, okay, I got my one person, my two person, my three person. No, just for us to begin thinking outwardly and missional beyond ourselves, beyond our church, beyond our comfort zones. And so if we're going to reach out in 2018, if we're, we're going to invite and bring 300 people to church in 2018, we have got to create some habits that will enable us and equip us to go and do that. And so that leads us to our second habit this morning. But before we get into that, I want to ask you a question, and you can't respond if, you, if you're reading the book that we're reading on Wednesday nights. So how would you com, uh, complete the following sentence? The Son of Man came. The Son of Man came. Anybody? To, to save. All right, I heard that. You are so not used to responding back to me. Like, what is he doing? What kind of? Well, we didn't talk about this Wednesday night. But so there's three ways. I got the answer. Don't worry. I got there's three ways that the New Testament completes that sentence. Uh, and, and while the first two, I think we may all be familiar with, the third is somewhat surprising. In Mark 10, it says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then we, we already heard this, Luke 19, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And then the third way is this, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. You know that was in there. Luke 7, yep, eating and drinking. I knew I liked Jesus. I mean, come on. You see, the first two passages tell us, tell us what Jesus came to do, what he came to achieve. The third tells us how he came to do it. He did it around tables. 
One of the ways we can surprise the world is by how we use our tables. So let's look at the table and how it can shape our mission in our community, in our neighborhoods. The first thing I want you to know about the table is the table can be a surprising place. The table can be a surprising place. One of the most surprising things about Jesus was who he ate with. Our scripture begins by informing us that Jesus was being watched. In fact, it says he was being carefully watched. He was going to the house of a Pharisee, a Jewish leader. And he says he was being carefully watched. No pressure, Jesus. <laughs> but all eyes are on you. And so, when, and when we carefully watch and we see who Jesus was eating with in the Gospels, we may be a little surprised. Jesus' detractors, uh, his enemies, regularly accused him of being a drunkard and a glutton. And Jesus was neither of those things. But obviously the fact that he ate and drank with sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, the lowest of society, he gave his enemies plenty of ammunition. And so, I mean, think about it. Jesus began his public ministry by turning water into wine. He provided more wine at a wedding feast in Cana. And the miracle at Cana, which we find in John 2, is a great example of the surprising nature of the table. The water jars that Jesus turned water into wine had been set aside for ceremonial washing associated with Jewish uh, purification rites. If a Jew it felt like they had become unclean, perhaps by contact with a Gentile, they would wash in water and they would recite certain prayers so that they can be made whole in front of the eyes of God. And so Jesus takes these, these symbols of the separation between Jews and Gentiles, between the holy and the unholy, and he fills them with wine, the universal symbol of hospitality and inclusion and fellowship. And then he continues to do this kind of stuff all throughout his earthly ministry. Literally turns the tables on, on, on what it means to, to, to be in fellowship and, and, and to have table fellowship. In Luke's gospel, you see how often Jesus used the table to surprise his fellow guest. It's at the table where Jesus accepts the worship of a sinful woman and criticizes the self-righteousness of a Pharisee named Simon. It's at the table that Jesus gives advice for how to welcome the poor and the marginalized into your lives that we see in our scripture this morning. And it's at the table that Jesus revealed himself as the risen Lord on the walk to Emmaus. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to use your table, which most of us, I think, we have a table, most of us here eat. Some of us really well. Use your table to break down the walls that separate people in our society, in our community. Surprise the world by who you invite to share your table. In, in, in our book that we're going through the Surprise the World, Michael Frost says that we should be radical socializers 
Radical socializers. What a great thought. How can your socializing, and some of us are really good at socializing, how can it be more radical in a way that, that honors God and, and, and we're able to share the gospel around the table? Along these lines, in their book, Right Here, Right Now, Alan Hirsch and Lance Ford say this, sharing meals together on a regular basis is one of the most sacred practices we can engage in as believers. Missional hospitality is a tremendous opportunity to extend the kingdom of God. I love this line. We can literally eat our way into the kingdom of God. I'm hallelujah. Amen. We've been doing it right all along. I mean, you know, I was like, I got this down. I can eat my way into the kingdom of God. I love that line. If every Christian household regularly invited a stranger or a poor person into their home for a meal once a week, we would literally change the world by eating. We change the world one meal at a time. So the table can be a surprising place that gets people asking why we break bread with unexpected guests. Why are you eating with that person? And then we can tell them. But secondly, the table, the table fosters community. You ever, seen a, you ever seen a couple sitting at a table and they're not saying anything to each other? Maybe that's you. We can talk later. But you ever seen, you know, you ever seen some, some people at a table, a couple, older couple, younger couple, I don't care, and, and they're not talking? It's kind of strange. Because the table is a form for conversation and hospitality, for rest and, and, and reconciliation. It's at the table we talk. I mean, we eat, but we talk. So in, instead of just inviting your neighbors to church or to a church event, I mean, I want, I want them here. I want people here. Why not start by inviting them to your table? Simon Holt is a theologian as, as well as a professional chef. He says this about how the table creates community. He says, through the daily practice of the table that we live a life worth living. Through the table we know who we are, where we come from, what we value, and what we believe. At the table we learn what it means to be family and how to live in responsible, loving relationships. Through the table we live our neighborliness. I knew I was going to struggle with that. Neighborliness and citizenship, express our allegiance to particular places and communities, and claim our sense of home and belonging. At the table, we celebrate beauty and express solidarity with those who are broken and those who are hungry. So here's the problem that we face, and, and, I, and some of you have expressed this to me since we've started this whole study. Us Christians, us church folks, can be victims of the holy huddle you ever heard of that holy huddle? Or the Christian bubble, as some other people talk about it? Some of you have said, Alan, all my friends are at church. All the people that I know are at church. Well, that's not really totally true. You know some people that are in church. But we tend to only invite other Christians to our tables because we feel more comfortable with each other. But I think Jesus calls us to foster community with unbelievers as well. He, listen to our passage again. He says, then Jesus said to the host, 
When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, your rich neighbors, the people that you know, your church members. If you do, they may invite you back, so you'll be repaid. So you're just swapping, you're just swapping houses, you're swapping tables. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. In Jesus' time, a person would never eat with someone of a different social standing. We could maybe say that today. And certainly never with someone of a different religion, Jews eating with a Gentile. But Jesus, as I said, turns that on its head. He ate with them first, and he asked for repentance later. Ben Myers says of Jesus' presence at a sinner's table, he says, contact triggered repentance. Conversion flowered from communion. I love that. Conversion flowered from communion. We see it in, in Jesus attending a meal at the home of the tax collector Zacchaeus. You remember, everybody knows Zacchaeus? Was a, was a, was a wee little man. And so he climbs up on the sycamore tree to see Jesus. And he's probably thinking, you know, Jesus doesn't see him, but Jesus points him out. He says, Zacchaeus, I need to go to your house. Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' table. I mean, that's how Jesus rolled. And so he goes to his house, and he doesn't, he's not saying Zacchaeus, because tax collectors were notorious for taking too much money. That's why they're the lowest of society. Nobody, everybody hated tax collectors. It's very similar to that. And so Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house, and he doesn't say, you're a bad man, you got to change your ways. No, they, they, he goes to his house, they share a meal together, and it's in that where Zacchaeus says, I'm going to give my money away. I'm, I recognize what I've done. And so contact triggered repentance. Conversion flowered from communion. His communion with the sinful tax collector led to repentance and conversion. We need to become radical socializers. The third thing that the table does is that it mirrors the character of God. Mirrors the character of God. Eating with others can be a profoundly theological practice. Most of us probably don't think about it. We're just thinking what's on the menu and who's coming to the table. But it, it, it can mirror the character of the triune God. Look at this icon of the Holy Trinity. It was painted around 1410. And it depicts the Father, Son, and Spirit gathered together around the table. It's a beautiful image of the fellowship of three persons of the Trinity. One God, three persons. When we join together around a table, we mirror the relationship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I think it's no coincidence that when Jesus gave his disciples a practice to remember him by, it was with the breaking of bread and the drinking of wine. Nowadays, we celebrate communion or the Lord's Supper in a very formal, a liturgical way. But the first Christians... They celebrated it in the context of a banquet, of a meal. The table, therefore, 
Not, not, not a pulpit, not the choir, not the band, not the preacher, not even the cross was the primary symbol for Christian worship. The table was the primary symbol of Christian worship. So we've been reading through this book, Surprising the World, in which Michael Frost encourages us to live questionable lives. The kinds of lives that intrigue our neighbors and invoke questions about our faith. And so the way we eat can be intriguing. By who you invite to eat with, we can model the character of God, we can foster community, and we can surprise those around us with our table fellowship. So here's what I'm calling you to do. I'm calling you to foster the habit of eating. (laughs) Well, I got that down pat, right? Eating with three people a week. You're not going to need to add a great deal into your often already busy schedules. Man, we are busy people. You already, I hope, eat three times a day. Some of you eat four or five times a day, depending on what diet you're going on right now. So that's 21 meals a week standard, not to mention coffee or anything like that. I'm simply asking you to bring another person to your table for three of those meals. Again, one of which is a church member, one is not a church member, and the other can be either. If you want to cut corners or maybe, you know, try to do it all at one time, you can bring three people to your table for one meal. We're already eating. Let's invite some people to the table, right? Invite the unpopular and the outcast, as well as your friends and your work colleagues. Let's show the world what heaven is going to be like. I'm inviting you, encouraging you to foster the habit of eating. I, I can't wait. I mean, I'm, this is right up my alley. I hope you'll join with me. I hope you will begin to see those people that you can invite to your table. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the example of Jesus that we see throughout the Scriptures is, is always eating but he's eating with all kinds of people, Pharisees, sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors, disciples. And he uses the table to seek and to save the lost. He uses the table to serve, not to be served. Let us follow the example of Jesus and create a habit of eating and sharing our table with one another. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.